From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, paring down patching for amblyopia. Without a control group controlling for everything else except for the patching, it's very difficult to tease out why it is that patients improve. Our study was important because it was the first one that, in addition to having a control group of spectacles alone, uh, also clearly defined amblyopia. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Wallace declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. Children with amblyopia often require patching for much of the day in order to treat their pathology. Or do they? How much patching is required? This is a highly significant question because a substantial barrier to the treatment of amblyopia is patient compliance. If we can reduce the number of hours our patients must be patched, perhaps we can improve their adherence to a therapeutic regimen. David Wallace investigated an abbreviated patching regimen in a recent study, and I'm delighted to have him as my guest today. David, what evidence exists that patching works uh, when treating amblyopia? Right, well... You know, there have been a lot of studies in the literature over the past decades, really, documenting that patients improved with patching. Now, the the limitation of of these studies, primary limitation, was that we didn't really have a good control group. And without a control group controlling for everything else except for the patching, it's very difficult to tease out why it is that patients improve. There were a couple of papers done that did include a control group, but our study was important because it was the first one that, in addition to having a control group of spectacles alone, uh, also clearly defined amblyopia at enrollment. David, what is conventional therapy for amblyopia now? After the results of the amblyopia treatment study, it became clear or rather based on these results, it became clear that atropine is a reasonable alternative as primary treatment for amblyopia. So traditionally, patching was full-time or nearly full-time, and that was a prescribed therapy. And then the amblyopia treatment study one showed that daily atropine worked as well as patching, at least with with an outcome at four months. And then... Subsequent amblyopia treatment studies show that prescribed patching two hours per day works as well as six hours per day in 
moderate amblyopia, and prescribed six hours per day works as well as 12 hours per day in severe amblyopia. So now it seems that for most pediatric ophthalmologists, uh, we're starting with more modest amounts of patching, say two to six hours per day, depending on the uh, degree of amblyopia, and in some cases starting with atropine if the patient does not seem like a good candidate for patching. I was going to ask something that you've just sort of answered, uh, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, the experimental group in your study underwent two hours of daily patching. Where does the two-hour figure come from? You're right. It did come from the uh, previous studies, primarily amblyopia treatment study two, a randomized clinical trial comparing two hours of daily patching, correction, two hours of prescribed daily patching to six hours of prescribed daily patching. And patients in both of these groups improved similar amounts over about four months. David, can I get you to explain uh, just in a little more detail the study that uh, compared six-hour patching to 12-hour patching for patients with severe amblyopia? Those are patients with severe amblyopia. So that would have been baseline amblyopic visual acuity between 2100 and 2400. Amblyopia secondary to anisometropia or strabismus or both. And those patients were randomized to six hours of prescribed daily patching or to 12 hours of prescribed daily patching. And after four months, it was found that there was no significant difference in lines of improvement between uh, these two groups. Both groups improved substantially, about two lines of visual acuity improvement. Can I have you describe the design of this study? This study was a multi-center, prospective, randomized clinical trial. And the objective was to evaluate the effectiveness of patching in amblyopia. Because even though it, it might seem obvious that patching works based on our anecdotal experiences of patching many patients and we see them improve and all of the textbooks that tell us that uh, patching is the right thing to do, there really was no study before this one that evaluated patching in comparison to a control group after accounting for um, improvement with spectacles alone. To uh, expand on the design of this study, we included children between ages 3 and 7. They had amblyopia from anisometropia or strabismus or combined mechanism that is both anisometropia and strabismus. And we enrolled patients with baseline amblyopic eye visual acuity between 2040 and 2400. Uh, the mean was about 2080, and they had to have at least three lines of difference in visual acuity between the two eyes. David, can I just get you to spell out, for the purposes of this study, what the definition of amblyopia was? Well, we included patients with amblyopia secondary to anisometropia or strabismus or combined mechanism, which is anisometropia and strabismus. And the amblyopic eye visual acuity had to be between 2040 and 2400 inclusive. And there had to be at least three lines of difference in visual acuity between the two eyes. Can I get you to explain what the spectacle run-in phase was? Well, patients who needed new glasses or they were getting glasses for the first time or they'd been in the proper prescription for less than 16 weeks, those patients 
which were most of the patients in this study, entered a spectacle run-in phase. And the, and the reason for doing this was to attempt to separate improvement due to glasses from improvement due to patching and to really try to get uh, patients to a point where they had stabilized with regard to their visual acuity improvement in spectacles alone, and now we were ready to add an additional treatment. So these patients were then followed in the spectacle phase of the study every five weeks until there was no improvement noted compared to a previous visit. If there was no improvement noted because these were young children, we gave them the opportunity to do a retest just to make sure that they didn't have a bad test and to make sure as much as possible that they were no longer improving. And if indeed the retest confirmed that they had no improvement compared to the previous visit, then their participation in the spectacle run-in phase concluded and then some were eligible for the randomized clinical trial. Why were near tests required as part of the therapy? It is hypothesized that near tasks can enhance the effect of amblyopia treatment. And there is some biological plausibility to that in that if you are doing a near task while you are wearing a patch, you are accommodating, you are focusing on uh, the task at hand that's right in front of you. And we think that really trains the brain or exercises the brain to improve as much as possible. I emphasize it is hypothesized because we have not shown conclusively that near tasks add anything to amblyopia treatment. In fact, there's an ongoing clinical trial by the Pediatric Eye Disease Investigator Group randomizing patients to patching two hours per day with near tasks versus patching two hours per day while avoiding near tasks. And that will shed light on whether uh, this is an important addition to amplitude. Once the spectacle run-in phase was completed and the groups were randomized, what were the groups then? Well, if patients still had at least two lines of difference between the two eyes, then they were randomized into one of two groups. One group was the patching group, and they were prescribed two hours of daily patching, including one hour of near activity while wearing the patch. And, of course, they continued to wear their glasses if needed. And the control group consisted of patients who did not patch but did continue to wear their spectacles if needed. What was the duration of follow-up for this study? Well, the primary outcome measure was at five weeks. But we continued to follow patients in both groups, treatment and control, every five weeks until there was no further improvement. So for some patients, they ended the study after the primary outcome visit at five weeks. Other patients continued in the study for a few months because they showed improvement at each visit. David, what were your results? The primary outcome measure was lines of improvement at the five-week visit, and that visit test was performed by a mask-certified visual acuity tester. We found that the patching group improved 1.1 lines on average, and the control group improved 0.5 lines on average, and that difference was statistically significant. Did the difference between the patching and control groups vary by the severity of the amblyopia? The results were very similar. Uh, We did find that 
the moderate amblyopia group improved 1.1 lines in the patching group compared to 0.4 lines in the control group. And the severe amblyopia patients improved 1.2 versus 0.6 lines. So the absolute difference between correction, the relative difference between groups uh, was very similar. To what extent had the experimental patching group achieved their maximal benefit at that five-week mark? Well, if we look at the timing of best measured acuity, that is, when did patients achieve their best vision? Overall, those in the patching group, by five weeks, most of them, about two-thirds of them, had achieved their best visual acuity. Some achieved it even at their baseline visit and did not improve with patching, but the majority of them uh, improved between the baseline visit and the five-week outcome visit. Only about one-third continued to show improvement after five weeks. What was the significance of the secondary cohort? The secondary cohort included patients who had only two lines of intraocular difference at randomization. So most of these patients had very good amblyopic eye visual acuity uh, before randomization. It also included patients who had vision of 2032 in the amblyopic eye and 2016 in the, in the normal eye. We didn't necessarily expect these patients to improve a lot because we'd found from previous studies that there's a, there's a ceiling effect. That is, if you start out with pretty good vision, you don't have very much uh, that you can improve. We were actually pleasantly surprised to find that at the five-week primary outcome visit, the patching group had improved almost a full line, 0.8 lines, while the control group improved uh, not at all. So this difference between the groups was at least as great as we found uh, in our primary cohort of patients with worse visual acuity at randomization. Did the spectacle run-in phase essentially eliminate patients in the control group who would have improved with spectacles since they, they were in the run-in phase until their visual acuity had stabilized and they weren't showing any more improvement. That's right. And, you know, that was the idea, was to try to get as much improvement as possible uh, squeezed out, so to speak, before uh, the patients uh, entered the study. Uh, but the fact is, uh, it appears that some patients continue to improve even after randomization. And some of that improvement in both groups I think can be attributed to continued spectacles wear. Uh, the other thing is it's, it's difficult to ensure stability when we say the vision was stable in two previous visits uh, in the spectacles phase because we're really only measuring visual acuity in one-line increments in these children aged 3 to 7. So it's possible they can improve a couple of letters or half a line and these are rounded to no improvement. So there may have been slight improvement, but our test in these children is not quite sensitive enough uh, to, to pick up that improvement. Just to clarify this point, some of the patients who were in the control group, in the spectacle group, who at the end of the spectacle run-in phase were noted to have stable acuity, were seen to improve in acuity during the study period. And what you're suggesting is, is that uh, for some of these patients, uh, that, that it may have been, that they may have been improving right up through the entire spectacle run-in period, but that the improvement was not detectable 
on examination because it, it was just too too small. It was less than than one line, uh, and it wasn't noted. Um, what what I'm wondering is whether the continued improvement in visual acuity with spectacles during this study period, whether that tells us something about the nature of amblyopia. Well, I think it tells us that spectacles are a powerful treatment for amblyopia, and I think you'll get a flavor for that as well when Sue Cotter discusses her companion paper. You know, there really is an, another possible explanation for why there was improvement in the control group is that Remember, patients were randomized when they stopped improving. And these were young children, some as young as three. So it's certainly possible that a child could, say, in the spectacle phase, be 20, 50, and then 20, 40, and then they come in and maybe they're not feeling well or it's late in the day and they're tired and, and they just don't test very well that day. Even though we give them a retest, if they're having a bad day, it may be that a few patients just look like they're stable when, in fact, they're just having a bad test day. So some of that could have factored in as well. Ideally, if you want stabilization, you follow patients for a long, long time, at least three or four visits of stabilization. But in a clinical trial, we really need to be practical. Parents may not allow children to be enrolled in a trial if we're going to withhold a treatment such as patching that may be beneficial for too long of a period of time. Now, having said that, when we apply these findings to our own clinical practices, do you ever recommend a spectacle run-in period to see whether patching therapy is even required? Almost always now, I will start with glasses alone because I believe that glasses alone, based on these clinical trial data, glasses alone are a powerful treatment for amblyopia. I also believe that it's nice to start one treatment at a time rather than telling a parent, you know, get these glasses and, oh, you have to get a patch too and do that and do this, we can say, here's a prescription for glasses. Do your best to get your child to wear the glasses all the time and come see us in a few weeks. Also, there may be better compliance if the vision has been allowed to improve with glasses up to a certain point. It may be easier for a child to wear a patch if needed when they're starting out with better visual acuity compared to starting out with very poor acuity. How do your findings compare with other researchers like those of Clark? Clark's study showed similar results in that they did find a difference between patching and spectacles compared to spectacles alone. However, it's difficult to compare our studies because they really had different inclusion criteria. Uh, their patients um, were uh, randomized after, correction, before they were given spectacles, ours were randomized after they were given spectacles. And they really had a different purpose in their study to try to decide or to find out more about screening, whereas our study was specifically designed to see if patching added something after patients had stabilized in glasses. This, I think, is the bottom line question. What do you do in your own practice when an amblyopic child comes in? I will generally prescribe glasses first. Most of the patients, similar to those in this cohort who have anisometropic or strabismic or combined mechanism amblyopia, almost all of those patients will need glasses initially. So I'll prescribe glasses, typically ask them to come back between six and eight weeks after wearing the glasses for four to six weeks, 
And as long as they're improving in glasses alone, I will continue to follow them every couple of months until I see no further improvement. At that point, if the visual acuity in the amblyopic eye is in the range of, say, 2040 to 2100, I think it's quite reasonable to start out with two hours of daily patching. Amblyopia treatment study two showed us that prescribing two hours seemed to work great in comparison to prescribing six. With more severe amblyopia, I'm a little uncomfortable with starting out with just two hours, but it may be, as we see uh, some patients in this study, it may be that starting out with two hours turns out to be sufficient for severe amblyopia patients as well. But I generally start out with about four to six hours if the visual acuity is, say, less than 2100 after stabilization with glasses. David, is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, I think I would mention that another important finding in the study was that, as you recall, we followed patients in both groups until visual acuity no longer improved. So we also looked at what was the best visual acuity that was achieved at any visit. And if you compare lines of improvement between groups, the patching group had 2.2 lines of improvement on average and the control group 1.3 lines of improvement. So the difference between groups was even greater if we followed the patients out a little bit longer. It, it should be emphasized that this study was not designed to show maximum improvement of visual acuity because of some of the reasons I mentioned earlier with being unable to actually tell if there's still slight improvement between visits. Some other things that I might mention include that compliance was really quite good during the study. People sometimes wonder when a clinical trial includes prescribed patching, how much are the patients actually doing what we ask them to do? And in, in the patching group, two-thirds of the patients had excellent compliance, meaning three-quarters of the time or more they wore the patch as prescribed, and about 90% had good or excellent uh, adherence to uh, the amount of prescribed patching. We looked to see whether this treatment effect that we saw in the patching group versus the control group was modified by any particular factors. That is, uh, for example, did the younger kids improve with patching relative to control, whereas the older children didn't. We didn't find any difference based on age or based on their gender or their race or whether they'd had prior amblyopia treatment or whether their amblyopia was from strabismus or was from, from anisometropia. David Wallace, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Bye. David Wallace is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Pediatrics at the Duke University Eye Center. His paper, A Randomized Trial to Evaluate Two Hours of Daily Patching for Strabismic and Anisometropic Amblyopia in Children, appears in the June 2006 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Wallace or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. 
Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.